find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. What is up, everybody? Today we bask <laughs> in the light of mustachial greatness. You know I like a good buddy action movie, and if you think about it, that's exactly what 1991's McBain is all about. It's a bunch of former Vietnam veterans who got really close to a POW they rescued once. <laughs> and the team goes back to avenge one of their former comrades, Easy. That's all it is. All right, so time for the quick impression. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we are honoring the amazing mustache of Steve James, who plays opposite the great Christopher Walken in this film that honestly feels like was meant to occur in a different timeline of some sort. Like, there's another timeline where the actual person that should have been in this movie played. I just saw The Flash recently, not to date this episode, but... um, uh. I just saw The Flash, and there's, like, a whole bit in there where it's, like, um, Michael J. Fox was not the uh, the person that, that was in Back to the Future. It was actually Eric Stoltz. I think, I, I think I'm saying his name right. Um, that was – because he was the original person casted for that film, as many people know. And if you don't know it, like, where the fuck have you been? You fucking stupid piece of shit. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm shaming you, you fucking stupid asshole, for not knowing that Eric Stoltz was the original Marty McFly. Is that was that his name or was that his dad? I don't know. Don't don't blame me if I got that wrong. But anyway, that's kind of what this movie makes me feel like. Like, holy shit! Like, why is Christopher Walken in this fucking movie? It feels weird. It feels like it was shot with an actual action movie actor, and then they just threw his ass in because, I don't know, he saw some producer kill a hooker or something, and they're like, he's like, you gotta, I, don't, I can't do a walking impression. As y'all know, I'm not very good at those. But it's kind of like, he's like, you gotta put me in your movie. That's not a good <laughs> walking impression. But you know what I mean? It's almost as if he saw something and like someone owed him something. And they're like, all right, you can be Rambo today, you son of a bitch. Hope you enjoy it. And he's like, okay. And so they, they, they told him like, but you get to pick your name. Pick your name. What, what do you want to be called? And he goes, um, I kind of like that Arnold Schwarzenegger parody character from The Simpsons. <laughs> can, can you not name me McBain, Johnny McBain or whatever the fuck his name is? It's ridiculous. And also, I may add as well, um, someone I believe we've honored before in the party. We have honored him. Luis Guzman has uh, this must be one of his earlier films. I'm not. I didn't look up his uh, filmography, but this has to be way back in the docket for this guy. He must have done this one. I think his first film was probably in the late '70s, early '80s, something like that. So it's not his first film, but it's it's up there. It's definitely in his top ten. Like his not top ten. Definitely not his top ten. <laughs> It's definitely in his first 10 films he's ever been in. And he's actually great. Like, he fucking steals the scene. You're like, oh, I get it now. I get why he became somebody that, like, really fucking kicks ass in, in on film. So, you know, we got a couple of mustaches we're, we're honoring today. Steve James and the legendary freaking Luis Guzman. You gotta love him. Anyway, let's get our lives saved and in turn... Oh, a friend, 
such a freaking favor. We owe this guy such a favor because he saved us from a POW uh, torture camp that it entails starting a revolution. <laughs> like you, you got to start a fucking war for this friend because he saved your life. But but at least as a bonus for the effort, we get to smash his sister. That's kind of cool. And his sister happens to be hot, which is great. And she doesn't wear a bra ever. And then we just bring our old gang back together, kick some fucking ass, some Colombian ass, and they have big asses. So it's hard to kick them because they don't feel a thing with those cheeks. Bring a- <laughs> We bring them together, and we just fucking rule the goddamn world with helicopters and explosions and guns. It's fucking amazing. And you know why? Because it's the early 90s, baby. And let's face it, the cocaine was still straight fire back then, man. Now play that shit theme song. It's the most podcast you We're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary Harry upper list. All right. Welcome to the Mustachio Podcastio. I am your host, Daniel J. Segura. I apologize once again. I know it's been a rough going lately. I've not been releasing as much as I should be releasing. Um, It's been super busy. I had a tree fall on my house. A fucking, not a whole tree, but a very, pretty much the equivalent of what uh, some trees are weight-wise. It was the, I I have a very old pecan tree. Um, in the backyard, great tree, still produces pecans, um, biannually, and it's not producing this, uh, season, and it's quite dry, but then we had a shitload of rain here in South Texas, and it weighed down the branch, the the huge fucking tree limb, just a huge limb, uh, and it crashed onto the house, onto the back side of the house, it terrified me. I thought of, I don't know what I thought. I just, the whole house shook. Like, it was definitely a sound and a feeling that I've never felt in this house. Like, I've never, this house has been through drive-bys. It's been through major Texas hail, you know, fucking golf ball, base, softball, baseball, pickleball <laughs> size hail. But never ever heard a sound this thunderous. It was terrifying, but we survived. We survived, and there's been a lot of repairs going on. We've had roof work going on. It's been hot as fuck, and I apologize for all the wind noise. I have my AC on. I got, like, three fans on me. I have a shirt off. I'm in my thong. Um, There's one fan just dedicated to my sack. Like, that's how hot it is. It's just to keep my sack from becoming putrid. Because I'm one of those, like, I do sack checks twice a day. It's important to me. If that sack check doesn't test right, I go in the shower. Like, I'm very big. I never know when my balls are going to get sucked. So I make sure they're clean and they're mean and they're just sucking machines. Um, Wait, no, they're not sucking anything. But whatever. You know what I mean. It's important. And it's tough in San Antonio in the summer. It's swamp butt city, baby. And it is no fun. Your asshole will smell like the San Antonio River so fucking quick. It'll smell like that by 10 a.m. It's that hot. It's that sticky. It's not as humid as Houston, but it's humid, and it's not fun. Anyway, I've had all these distractions, 
and it's been difficult, and I'm sorry. Like, I don't get paid for this. I do it on my own. I don't have a lot of friends. Actually, I do have a lot of friends. But I actually, that's the reason. I have a lot of friends. I'm out and about. My birthday was recently. I don't know when I'm, rele- when I'm releasing this, but it was in June. <laughs> and I had a lot of fun. Had a good, great party. Had a good time. It was all very distract. It was just distracting. And work has been, obviously, you know, the, the, the reason why I'm able to do this is because I make enough money to be able to do this. And also, I don't have anyone that loves me. And I'm, I'm alone and I have no children. So all that gives me an opportunity to speak into a mic all alone. Because, by the way, this is a solo cholo. As you know, as I said before, I said it at some point, probably a month ago, I want to go and cover some of the Grindbin episodes that I didn't get to be on. I think I said at the time it was going to be the first, around the first 50. I don't give a fuck. I am wanting to talk about, I think this was like 100 and something. I think it was at least the top 150. I could be wrong. Y'all Grindbin heads might know which episode McBain was on. But it was up. It, it was it was there. It was somewhere at least in the first quarter of the Grindbin's existence, which has been around for like six years or something. Because Mike Wood has no fucking life and he hates himself. And um, <laughs> I love him. I love him to death. And there's so many movies they've covered, especially movies that happened, you know, before I was able to jump on and start guesting. So McBain was one of them. I remember watching McBain because of the grind bin. I had never heard of it before. Oh, no, I'm going to take a sip from my beer. That was a pretty good sip. Oh, yeah. I'd never heard of it before. And I watched it and was like, what the fuck? I just remember it really throwing me off. Like, I'd seen a lot of Christopher Walken films. You know, not a, I guess not a lot, but I've seen a good amount of his films. And like Communion is one of my favorite Christopher Walken films. If you've never seen Communion, you are failing at life. You need to like stop jerking off and go watch Communion, which definitely makes you not want to jerk off. That that film will make you impotent for like at least three days because um, it's just that weird. But it's so much fun. It's like so much Christopher Walkening that I've never seen in my life. And uh, he's amazing in it. And I got to say, he's not that different in this film. He's not that different. He's almost the Christopher Walken of Communion. But if you put him in McBay, if you put him in an action war movie, um, it's insane. I just can't believe it. It made me crack up. So I laughed so many times in this film without. Like and they were not funny parts. It's just, <laughs> it's just Christopher walking, doing his shit, and it's so good. I can't even describe to you if you've never seen McBain, please watch it. I think it's on Tubi. I think that's where I watch. Yeah, I watched it on Tubi. It's on Tubi. Give it a watch while it's on there. It's so fucking good. It's like you have all these. It's kind of it's kind of funny because he sur- they surrounded him with a bunch of actors. That would be great for an action movie, you know? Um, and that, I mean, I guess aside from um, the guy from The Warriors, was his name Fox? I think he played Fox in The Warriors. Maybe I, I, he doesn't quite seem like an action movie guy either, but he at least 
seems more of an action movie actor than Christopher Walken, who is literally walking through this. Like, he's really, I wouldn't say he's even walking. He is strolling through this movie. This guy is, he, the whole time, like, the stakes are so high and everything is so, like, it's a fucking revolution film. You know, El Presidente, who they don't even bother giving him a name, is oppressing all these people of Colombia. And Santos, who's played by uh, Chick Vignetta, Vignetta, maybe I said it right the first time. I don't know. I said it exactly the same when I tried to correct myself. He is a, um, he saved Christopher Walken in a POW camp way back in the Vietnam War. Which, by the way, the way it kicks off is Christopher Walken is a POW and he's put in a cage match with, I don't know, very equivalent to the guy from Bloodsport, the big, that big Asian guy uh, who is definitely doing steroids because he does not look like, like that now. <laughs> now, he's, now he's just naturally a skinny person <laughs> the way he was supposed to be. But in Bloodsport, he just looked swole as shit and like full of butter. Uh, at least covered in butter. And he's fighting this guy. And it's just amazing. Seeing Christopher Walken try to do some sort of choreographed fighting scene with this dude. It's amazing. And the war's over. The 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 squad of Vietnam soldiers find out that the war is over. And they're flying out of Vietnam. Gets, getting ready to go home. But one of them sees that there's this POW camp, and I guess it's very recognizable because they use these, like, bamboo little cages, you know, to, 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 to host these matches. And they knew that was a POW camp, and they were like, nah, fuck it, let's go, the war's over. And they're like, what if, what, what if there's soldier, a soldier there? What if there are soldiers there that need to be freed? And Christopher Walken's not the only soldier there. I think they showed, like, maybe four or five, but none of them get any speaking... Like, none of them have any... <laughs> like, there's nothing about them. I guess they really liked McBain. They just really liked them some McBain. Because I guess they become friends. They save him. They come in, they kill a bunch of the soldiers. Uh, while McBain's fighting for his life in the most comedic way ever because his fighting moves are ridiculous and somehow they're able to help him the warrior the 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 vietnam guy the warrior vietnam guy that was gonna kill him he's not dead yet and he goes and he tries to kill him but it's santos that tells mcbain to duck he goes duck and mcbain ducks he shoots the fucking guy in the face or whatever he dies and McBain looks at Santos and he goes, I owe you one. And Santos goes, hold on one second. Hold on. He tears a fucking $100 bill in half. He gives half the $100 bill to McBain. And he tells him, hey, you'll know when I this other half of this bill comes to you is when it's time to cash the check, baby. It's time for, well, I don't know if that makes any sense. But it's time for you to come in and do me that favor that you owe me. Because I told you to duck. But in exchange, this motherfucker's got to fight a full revolution. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if that's... I I don't know if that justifies fighting a revolution for him. But we'll get there. Oh, my God. So, 
By the way, Michael Ironside is in this film. Love him. That dude is so fucking awesome. I think the first time I saw Michael Ironside was Scanners. My brother showed it to me um, when I was maybe 10. I was very pretty young, and that was amazing. Love Michael Ironside. Um, he kicks ass in this film, too. Like, you can right away say he's a badass. Um, you got good old Steve James. Uh, Maria Con- uh, Conchita Alonso is in this. She plays uh, the sister. She is incredibly beautiful. And she's, and you know, honestly, I've never liked like the short haircut, like the Halle Berry or the Demi Moore haircut from Ghost. Like, I've never liked, I love like long hair on women. I just think it's so hot. But god damn it, Christina Santos looks so good with that hair. It's so good. Um, we got Victor Artigo as a uh, presidente and he's been a character he's been he was in some stuff he was in a few things um and then you got uh thomas uh thomas g waits as gill we got a we got a lot of uh, he's the guy that's he the guy fox from the warriors who by the way like i guess did it <laughs> get along <laughs> with what's his face i get uh, you know the director of the warriors uh i can't think of it right now but um didn't get along with him very well and got fired so <laughs> something hill jesus christ it's right at the tip of my my tongue walter hill i think it's walter hill if i'm wrong i'm sorry I, i'm pretty sure the director of warriors is walter hill but like so the director's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna have you thrown over into the tracks of a subway and you're gonna get killed <laughs> thank you for your work <laughs> bye but um we have some we really do have some pretty good um character actors in this film uh to 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 partner with good old christopher walken uh why not right and so all that happens i like the start of the whole vietnam thing um because it starts with this like incredibly sad song it doesn't even get you hyped for the movie it's just like people have died so many tears (laughs) like it's so sad Hey, podcast lovers. My name is Haley, and I run the Doe Identify podcast. I have been passionate about helping the unidentified get their names back ever since I found out I lived within miles of where Sherry Ann Jarvis, formerly known as the Walker County Jane Doe, was found. In my podcast, I tell the stories and provide information about unidentified people in hopes of reaching their loved ones and getting their names back. So come join me and help me advocate for these people. You never know, you could recognize someone's story. It's very akin to like I was waiting for like sad puppies like they have little dried tear ducks and they're all dirty. It's very arms. Was it arms of the angel or whatever that song is from uh, McLaughlin or whatever her name is Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, of an angel atop this dog because it's alone and it hasn't eaten in a while. So. By the way, I did own a dog that totally would have been great for one of those commercials. He just like, I mean, he was spoiled. Like I didn't, I didn't make him, I didn't abuse him or not feed him or anything, but he just had this, he had the most emo face of all time. Just an emo face. And he was always cold too. So he was always kind of shaking a little bit. It's like, Jesus, you'd be great for those commercials, bro. You would be able to bring in so much money with your sad little bitch face. Anyway, more of a cat guy, to be honest. Um, so the whole Vietnam thing happens. Everyone goes on with their lives. Then all of a sudden, you know, 
we we go back to Santos. I didn't even know Santos was going to be a thing. That the movie does not make you think Santos is going to be a thing in this film, like that he was going to be the main motivation of how things continue to roll on. You barely see him. He doesn't have glasses, and I think he has sh- like shit on his face, like you know war paint or whatever. So he, like they show him, and now he's all cleaned up, and he does, and he's wearing glasses. And you're like, wait, is that the guy that saved him? I can't tell, really. <laughs> I was like, I think that's him. But we go to we're in his village, and that's when we meet his his uh, sister, who is um, played by Ma- uh, Maria Cochito Alonso. Uh, her name is Christina. And at first, I didn't know. I thought I was like, is this his chick? I couldn't tell. They're very, you know, they're very close. Like he's like hugging her, like he hasn't seen her in forever. But I guess he was out doing a thing. Like he's out trying to fight the good fight. He's trying to free his people. They've been oppressed by this current regime from El Presidente, and they are suffering. So he's made it his mission to to basically start a revolution and 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 help his people. I and, and that's one thing I always I remember from the first watch of this film that the stakes were so crazy high, and I think you could have made any other type of story. But making it a, a fight for to free Colombian people, it's almost too much to be able to actually write. Like, I just don't think you could really write that right with, like, this kind of film. Uh, a film that the budget was $16 million and I think made, uh, like, less than five hundred k at the box office. It just, it just, I don't know. It's no fun. It's sad. And I don't want sad... I don't want oppressed sadness in my action film unless it goes way crazy, like Rambo 3 or something. Rambo 3 is crazy. So it made it fun, even though it's kind of sad. You know, you know, he's helping the Taliban. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he's fighting the good fight. He takes over. He has the best mission ever, like the most successful mission. The way he gets into the headquarters where El Presidente is at, it'd be like getting into the White House, which, by the way, wasn't very hard, as we saw. Um, not very hard for him to get into El Presidente's house either. He he just puts a bunch of women in there that are presenting uh, that are pretend like presenting themselves as as sex workers, and he says, "Yeah, these are for El Presidente. These couple of broads back here, um, they're pre lubed." And he gets him into the into the uh, compound and breaks in. And there's this weird part because I had the um, I had the captions on. And there's this weird part where the, like he shoots this guard, he shoots this guard, and then by the way, like kudos to I guess it's a Cadillac. I don't know what it is, but this really is like kudos to late 1980s, early 90s sedans. This fucking trunk holds like six grown men i could not believe it six grown men i mean granted they're colombians i don't know how big they are but i know like i'm you know me being of <laughs> mexican descent he could fit easily fix six fit six of us in there we're, we're not the tallest people and um although we are kind of panzon so i don't know it kind of depends how many tacos have you had and so they all come out he shoots his guard and this lady She's like this little abuelita, and she comes from the she comes out of the kitchen, and she says like I will basically she says like I will help you, 
I am also, I guess, I think she was trying to say like the tribe, or like like the the native tribe that that lives in that village where Santos is from, but it's pronounced it's it's spelled N E G A. There's no way to say that without sounding like I'm saying the N word. <laughs> so I was like, did she say she's the N word? I was like, what the hell? Um, but I, I tried to look it up and I couldn't find anything on it. So I don't know if the captions fucked up and she said something different, but it, I was like, okay, whatever. So they get in, they take over. They got the, uh, Colombian dictator, uh, hostage pretty much. And Santos gets on the camera and he's like, Hey, we're part of the liberation army and we have taken control of this dictatorship and we are requesting support from the U S government Blah blah blah. We need your support to free our people. If not, like shit's gonna hit the fan. Because like obviously, him doing this, he's gonna be under crazy pressure. Like they're gonna send all the Colombian army and blah blah blah, and they're gonna try to get him. So he knows he has a very limited time to be able to make a splash. Cut to a bunch of guys in suits in a speedboat. And we're like, oh yeah, there you go. There's. <laughs> There we go. There's a couple of rich whites uh, in a speedboat, and they're all in suits. It's so it's so interesting to see guys in suits in a speedboat. You just don't see that, you know. Usually they they don't have a suit on. There's usually a swimsuit, maybe. But and they they end up like heading toward this. Uh, I think it's a judge or somebody or something like that. Who who do they kill? They kill some dude. I forgot who the fuck they kill. Well, they kill some dude. I think the guy they kill is like a... I think it's like a CIA guy. Like, apparently they were involved with helping um, Santos and his his, his uh, rebel army or something. I think. I could be wrong. I've only seen this movie. <laughs> well, now I've seen it three times, but I still forget who the fuck they killed. It's not that significant, but they they kill this dude, and then... The president finds out what's going on. He doesn't want to do anything at the moment. And Santos gets super super heavily pressured because now the Colombian army has taken some hostages and they're trapping him between some tanks. Like it's so weird. Like they're they're they can fit through the tanks, but they make it seem like they can't get out of this little tank. And it's it's very akin to like in Star Wars, where the trash compactor is slowly coming in to 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 kill them. But there's plenty of room. It's so weird. But as they get closer and closer, Santos is like, "Okay, fine, I surrender." Blah blah blah. And he gives the guns to the presidente, and he gets fucking shot in the face. And we don't know that yet, though. We just saw him give the gun. But then Christopher Walken, we we cut to Christopher Walken. Who plays McBay? He's in a he's like in some kind of cafe or something. He's got that wild hair from Communion. It's just like, and in the beginning his hair's kind of down. He looks so different when his hair's just sort of Caesar haircut, where it just kind of goes down. Then when it's just like woo, like where it's just up, like he just touched one of those weird electrical balls that make your hair go up. And he looks at this TV and he sees he sees the story about it. And by the way, what television station is showing a straight up headshot? Because the television station is like, "Hey, um, just to let you know this could be this could be pretty traumatic. It's pretty pretty bloody, but here we go anyway. No blurring, no nothing. Straight up shot to the face. The El Presidente shoots Santos. He's fucking dead. And 
Walken's like, oh, I think I know that guy. <laughs> and he looks through his wallet, and he finds that half bill in there, and he's like, ah, shit. Well, I guess we'll see what happens, which is what I would have done, too. I would have been like, well, I don't want to go all the way to Columbia. What if he doesn't even remember me, and that was just something he does to everybody? He's just like, whenever he helps anyone, he's like, here's half a bill. If I ever need you, like, you never know. Maybe this guy didn't really mean it. He, so he, he continues to work. And then Christina, his sis, uh, Santo's sister, heads out. The village gives her as much money as possible and jewelry and stuff that she can cash out. And somehow it's enough to make it all the way to the States. And she heads to see Christopher Walken, uh, good old McBain. And he's like, I was expecting you at some point. I was expecting something to come around at some point. And they head to a cafe. And at the cafe, McBain has the weirdest fucking thing. He has, like, the weirdest, like, little diatribe that he goes into where he's, like, he talks about how he went to Woodstock. And there's this reporter that covered the festival, and he covered the dark side of it all. You know, Woodstock, it was, it's rough. You know, there's a lot, definitely a dark side of it, the, you know, the drugs and the... um obviously like a lot of like crazy shit going on and um and he said that like when i was as the time when i was a teenager i i didn't agree with what the reporter was saying but as an adult i think he had a point so he's like things change over time or whatever it was so weird it was so random and how would this christina from columbia know about uh woodstock <laughs> i mean maybe maybe but um i think she had other things to worry about and she tells him, like, yeah, you know, um, Escobar and El Presidente have, like, they've been working together and they gave the villagers uh, coca leaves to chew on. And that basically, it's kind of like the sim- similar what people say about the crack epidemic in America um, in the 80s. Like, basically, they put crack out there to, like, conti- to to increasingly oppress, you know, inner city folks. Um and specifically black communities and that's kind of similar to what they did with these people they gave them coca leaves and, and instead of working they just wanted to do coke uh, i would chew a coca leaf yeah i'm not i'm not <laughs> i'm not much into snorting it but i would chew one just for just just for once you know if i had a lot of work to do that day it might be kind of fun i'm kidding but so we <laughs> maybe so we go back and we just kind of catch up with what the other soldiers, the the other former veterans, uh, Vietnam veterans are up to. Um, by the way, they don't touch on anything of like, you know, kind of like what uh, First Blood talked about. Like, you know, Vietnam veterans were not treated very well when they came back to the States, when they came back home. And, and just, cons- you know, a lot of uh, America, just the sentiment there just wasn't there at that time. You know, they dealt with so much shit, plus the PTSD they already were dealing with coming back from the war. They don't touch on any of that. These guys are doing great. <laughs> They're doing great for the most part. Um, Fox from Warriors, he's a detective now. Um, the guy that was piloting the helicopter, which I didn't remember at all, he's a surgeon now. And there's a scene where he's doing surgery and he's still trying to fight to help this guy survive. But And, and it's so crazy because there's a conversation going on between his nurses. He's like, hey, could y'all shut the fuck up? I'm trying to concentrate and save this man. And one of the nurses that's talking is Patty Mayonnaise from uh, from Doug, 
I just recognize her voice. I think she's also in Orange is the New Black. I didn't I only saw like the first season of that show. But um, I didn't continue it. I guess I should. It was fine. But um, anyway, so <laughs> he's a surgeon. Uh, our man of the hour, Steve James, uh, who plays Eastland. He is like a bodyguard for political figures or some shit. And I'm trying to think of who else. Oh, and um, what's his face? Jesus Christ. Uh, Michael Ironside's character. His name is Frank Bruce. Um, who, by the way, I wonder if they were going with a Bruce Wayne, Frank Bruce, because like now he's like this rich guy. He has a mansion. <laughs> he fights crime at night. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, he's got a whole mansion. And he's done good for himself. He's like in the arms dealing business. So he, I think we can, we all know there's quite a bit of money in that uh, job, career field, whatever. And so we catch up with all of them. None of them are that happy. It's almost like it's almost like where I'm at right now. You know, they're all in their 30s, late 30s, and they're just like, "This is it. This is it." And. <laughs> Life really sucks. And so they're all kind of just not happy. They all know about what happened with Santos and who is their part of their squad. And I think they see it as an opportunity to be like, we we should do something about this. Like this fucking guy died in like cold blood and national TV in front of his people. And so it's all kind of coming together. Christine is convincing McBain to help. And all these guys are starting to think, like, man, this is bullshit. So McBain's able to get with Eastland and Fox and to, to, to work alongside him. They know they need money, right? They need money to be able to get back to Columbia, to be able to buy, you know, some arsenal. Um, they need to get a plane. Like, they need a lot of shit to make this happen, to help with the revolution. So they go to Frank Bruce, who just – it's always good to have a rich friend, I guess. I don't have one of those yet, but uh, it's its good to have one. I, and But Frank, at, some, at first, he's hes reluctant. He doesn't really – he's like, ah, look, I got my life here. It's going good. And McBain tells him, look, when we got here, man, you are just sitting on this chair, reading the paper, drinking your tea. You're like, like it's an old, sad, tired man. I was like, are you kidding? That sounds like the life. I, I, if I could <laughs> – if I was rich – Maybe it's not a tea. Maybe I'm drinking a Manhattan. But either way, like just being able to lay down, look at the ocean, and and read the paper, that sounds like the life for me. I don't need to go back. I already did enough killing in Vietnam. I don't need to do more. But it does kind of get to him a little bit. He ends up helping them. He gets all hype about it. And so they to get the money, they, <laughs> they go to uh, – what's his name? Uh, um – Luis Luis Guzman. They go to they. That's when they run into Luis Guzman. They decided Raba go to this drug dealing area where it's like this fucking apartment complex. It's all been squad squatted out. They go in there. They shoot up a bunch of people. They kill a bunch of drug dealers. And Luis Guzman's there. And he's like, look, look, look. Hey, I'm not going to try to fight. Yeah, you know, shoot you or anything. You shoot me if you want, but. I don't have a lot of money. This is shillings compared to like what's out there. And he gives them a name of this local, um, this like local mob guy or whatever. 
He's like, you should go for that guy. He's got all the real money in this town. Like, if you want to go for, if you want to get that kind of money, so they kidnap that crime boss. They hang his ass up twenty five stories high or some shit. And McBain does this like Iranian accent of some sort. He says he's Iranian special forces or something. And somehow they're going to convince this guy, and they give him the he gives him the money. He gives him a shitload of money. Uh, then they head to Jamaica, to the Jamaican airport. They grab a plane. Christina, meanwhile, is getting all the villagers fired up because they need to secure an airstrip for the squad's arrival, right? Um, Ironside has a total stiffy at this point. He's like, you know what? This is getting pretty fun. Not only am I going to give you all this fucking, all these guns, all this cargo, I'm going with you. We're going to fucking kill some goddamn Colombians. <laughs> it, uh... It's been 18 years, by the way, since uh, the Viet- since they fought in Vietnam together. So they're all older guys. They fly over. Uh, they're worried about the pilot guy fucking up because it's been so long. But he manages to figure it out and they don't die in the air. Uh, we see a bunch of villagers infiltrating Colombian, uh, some Colombian cocoa factory. I'm in love with the cocoa. And... By the way, cocaine is incredibly flammable. I, I know the process requires a lot of different chemicals and stuff, and so they fire it up, and that bitch explodes like a son of a bitch. Um, at some point, I did see in the caption some rebel says, it's a holiday for a puta, <laughs> which I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but that should be on a T-shirt. It's a holiday for a puta. Uh, and there's this, like, this whole gunfight thing, like, jet fighter thing, fucking goddamn Maverick shows up, and he's this guy that, like, he, I think he works for Ironside or something like that, I don't know, it's something like that, but he's, he's in one of his jets, I think, because Ironside owns so much shit, and... He's like, hey, I'll keep an eye on you, blah, 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 just in case anyone comes in. They tell Because like, they know what mission they're on or whatever. And his dad fought in the Vietnam War, the, the jet pilot guy. So he goes and he saves the day. He ends up like actually knocking out two Colombian jet fighters that were trying to bring him down. And they're only trying to do their job. That's what kind of makes me sad is like they're just – they're the Colombian Air Force. And you're coming in unwarranted with you know no knowledge of who you are, what you're doing. They're kind of trying to do their job. But they unfortunately die. And one of them dies so hilariously. I think it's shit. I'm trying to think of who shoots him. But they're talking on the intercoms or whatever. Might be pilot guy. And they're going back and forth. And he manages to shoot through his window of the jet. Like through pilot guy's window. Through the other Colombian jet's window. And hit him in the face midair while piloting the jet. Like, I don't know how the fuck that happens, but it cracked me the fuck up. It was hilarious. And and then there's a whole battle going on at the battle at the airport strip. You know, the Colombian rebels are fighting the good fight. They're all screaming so much that at some point the captions just said screams in Spanish. <laughs> One thing that always puzzled me, though, was like all this happens during the day, which is so kind of odd. You feel like if you're going to go start a revolution, you're going to do that shit in the middle of the night. But then I was thinking, well, not the highest budget film. Pretty good budget, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, it's just cheaper. It's just cheaper to shoot during the day. You don't have to worry about all the lighting and shit. So 
all that's going on. All the planes land. Even McBain's pl- airplane uh, lands there. It would have been hilarious if it crashed, by the way. <laughs> so it's like, movie over. Everyone's gone. And, um, but no. They all land, and the, the Maverick guy, the kind of, he kind of looks like a young Aaron Eckhart. He wants to fight with them. He wants to help him out uh, he, to, to honor his father or whatever. And all this cargo is there. It's crazy. So all this cargo is there. And there's these, like, missile launchers that they have. And the guys, uh, two of the guys start putting it together, uh, Eastland and Gil. Start putting it together, and it's like it just reminded me of when me and my brother had to put a basketball court together for my nephew. Like it's just like well, yeah, I read the instructions, and try to go as fast as possible, uh, but they were able to put it together, no problem. It comes, it's there's a little bit, little mishap at first, but they were able to figure it out because those uh, two more jet pilots are coming in to to fire at everybody, and they're just they end up blowing the the uh, Aaron Eckhart's jet, but. They didn't notice that the guys had those grenade launchers or those rocket launchers, I mean, and they just, boom, blow both of them. Like, they've never used this weapon before ever. They just put it together, and who gives a shit? They're experts. They managed to fucking bring the jets down. Then the weirdest scene is Ironside comes in with this sedan, this, like, obviously a new car of the time. And they're like, holy shit, you got a card? He's like, yeah, a gold card takes you a long way around here or whatever. And they decided to take a photo, right? And so the Aaron Eckhart pilot guy is like, oh, let me take a photo of y'all, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is like a mini victory or whatever because they, they they brought down that cocaine factory or whatever and um, succeeded for this moment. So they all take a photo in front of the new car. And then Christopher Walken grabs the camera and he's like, hey, I want you in it too. But he pretty much just takes a selfie of him and Christina. But everyone's like trying to squeeze in. I'm like, I know you didn't get shit. You got two people in that photo, dude. There's like six people in the line. I'm like, nah, nah. You, obviously, this, is, this goes to show you selfies were not really mastered yet. Now we've mastered the selfie. We all know where to go to fit into the photo frame. But uh, back then it was a lot harder. So they take this stupid photo. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, El Presidente ends up torturing the commanding officer of the Cocoa Factory. Um, and the the commanding officer doesn't know what the fuck. He doesn't know who attacked them. He doesn't know what's going on. He knows it was it had to do with the rebels or whatever. And it's so fucking hilarious. He's like tied to a ceiling fan while he's getting destroyed. And this shit must have been made of like adamantium or some kind of solid metal of some sort because these Europe, this European dude and this other vato come through and the European guy looks like so stereotypical like he could have been any other German dudes from Die Hard and he comes through he's pissed and so he he just janks the guy off of the ceiling well he doesn't jank him off the ceiling fan he pulls the entire ceiling fan from the ceiling and then he throws his ceiling fan out the window. And apparently it's so fucking heavy. And me and uh, Matty Anderson, I don't know, you know Matt Anderson. He's been on the show a bunch of times. And he commented on it being such a ridiculous scene. And it really is. He throes the, <laughs> the 
the fan out the window. This poor guy just gets dragged and thrown out the window with it. Oh, like, you couldn't have like braced yourself or held yourself back. Like what the fuck were you? I only could think of was maybe his legs were asleep from being hung up so long, or his arms were asleep. I don't know, but the still the fan having so much weight that it's able to fucking fly him out the window when being thrown off uh, is bonkers. But it's so much. It, it's just. This is what this movie should be. It should be ridiculous, and that's what it is. So this European guy and this other dude basically are the guys that are funding all the um, the drug cartel. You know, they're in charge of all that, exporting, importing, all that. They basically are the ones that are help to corrupt the system so that way whoever they want to be El Presidente becomes El Presidente, blah, 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 because they, they really treat the Colombian president like shit and he tries to stand up for himself and they're like you know what happened to the last president that tried to talk shit to us well you know we visit him once a once a month and <laughs> at his fucking graveyard site it's pretty fun <laughs> i don't know why that's fun but it's fun and uh then uh the the movie kind of gets going pretty quickly after this you know mcbain and doc arrive um they kind of look like they're on vacation for some reason and they got like that Tommy Bahama shit going on. It's 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 amazing. The uh, by the way, the Doc is the pilot guy. I, I I put in my notes. I just call him Doc, but he's he's the pilot guy. He they the fucking European dude who's all pissed off about what's going on goes and he shoots up the village from where Santos is from, just out of anger for what happened. And this one little girl gets crushed and her chest is like crushed in and Doc does like this impromptu operation and blah, blah, blah. And he's able to help her. He stabs her with a pin, like without the insights, just like a tube, you know, he stabs her in the chest, let out the air, which I've seen in a lot of movies. I don't know how real that is, but I've seen it in so many films. So I don't know. Maybe it's a. Maybe it works. And so, by the way, kind of lucky that McBain and Doc arrived after that horrible attack from European guy. Like, they just happened to get there right afterward because I guess they were coming from that airstrip or whatever. Because it's hard to tell where everything's at and what's going. They kind of look like they're in Hawaii. I don't know where this was filmed, but it feels like Hawaii. It doesn't. It definitely wasn't Vietnam. Or uh, not Vietnam, I'm sorry. It definitely wasn't Colombia, but it definitely wasn't Vietnam at the beginning of the film either. Uh, so, so then uh, Ironside is, he hits up a cantina with with the guys and they're the Presidente's men are trying to find out where where Christina is and fucking the Ironside ends up like they they're like he beats up like one of the soldiers beats up this one dude and Ironside's like you know fuck this shit so he puts a fucking bomb he has like all the gadgets he really is like fucking batman like he's got all these little landmines and not landmines uh proximity mines and shit like that and so he puts a mine on this one card it explodes and i think from there christina and eastland and and doc they hit up a tv station and it's really funny like eastland's gonna kick down the door but then he's like well let me check to see if it's open and it's open it's a and so they get in there and Christina does this whole thing. This, this is the thing about this film, and I'll talk about it in a little bit. I'm just wrapping up the, what happens, but like, you know, she get she, uh, she like 
beg, you know, begs for the American people, like, please support us, please, like, please be one with us and understand our plight and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, like, there's workers that are like, yo, fuck this, like, I'm not going to work on this factory anymore, like, fuck that shit, not, not, with, not with our Colombian people suffering, because obviously there's a lot of Colombian people in the States. So they show like a couple of people reacting to the because somehow she was able to break into the TV stations of the TVs all over the place. <laughs> Some little Columbia TV station, little hole in the wall TV station. That's insane. And by the way, Christina is the hottest rebel ever. I mean, they have been a lot of rebels, you know, a lot of rebels um, in the past. Uh, she takes a cake. Like I said, she never wears a brawl. Uh, luckily, it's nice and warm in Colombia, so you know, there's no, there's not a lot of uh, uh, nipple showing. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but she looks great. She looks fantastic. She's wearing um, she's wearing uh, chucks the whole time, which is amazing. She, you gotta love fucking starting a rebellion with with chucks on. It's just honorable. The high top ones too, and so she does that. And all these people start, like, you know, doing something about it. Uh, Maverick, pilot, the Maverick guy that helped them earlier in the jet, he sacrifices his own life for the revolution. He's, like, in this big truck that they're using to, to penetrate through the through the compound where the Presidente's at. And I guess they couldn't find a cinder block or something to put on the fucking brakes. Or, or not put on the brakes, but to put on the accelerator or something. I guess they couldn't find something because he just... He just is like, you know what? I got to stay with this because McBain tells him, get off the fucking truck, bro. Like, you're going to die, dude. Like, as soon as they hit this shit, it's going to explode. He's like, no, no, because there's a bomb on it, too. He stays with it, sacrifices his life. Bye-bye, Maverick. And there's this whole gun, like, there's this whole battle between McBain's guys and, like, the McBain's guys, the Rebellion Army, and the Army for a Presidente. They all go back and forth. There's this one really this one part that I, I where this commander is like telling his soldier guy because the soldiers for the Colombians are like starting to be like, man, maybe this is fucked up. Like I'm shooting a bunch of my own people. They're fighting the good fight. We're not doing great. They obviously don't want us here. And this one guy hesitates. He stops shooting people and the commander sees him and he shoots him like for not. He's like, oh, OK, because okay. he's on one of those like automatic gunner weapons i don't know what you call them but they're like and so he tells him like get back on your fucking gun and he's like no i don't want to do it so he fucking shoots him but i guess he it was a flesh wound because then the commander gets on the gun he's like he's like shooting everybody and the guy the soldier gets back up he's like yo fuck you he fucking kills his ass it's amazing and the movie just sort of conveniently wraps up at this point so mcbain um is this is where you see the most McBain action. This is where you see the most Christopher Walken action and is the most casual action scenes you will ever see in your entire fucking life. This guy looks like he has the script. Like he knows exactly where everyone's going to be. He knows exactly what they're going to do. He knows where to throw a grenade. He's throwing them behind his back like he's goddamn fucking, like he's playing basketball and shit. He's like, whoop, (laughs) no look. (laughs) Throwing grenades wide his back, killing everybody. It's too easy for him. This slender man who also somehow has a beer gut. It's the weirdest body ever. I wouldn't even call it a dad bod. It's like alien bod. Hence, back to communion. I just got to love that action hero that has a gut. It gives me hope that I can go to Hollywood, go back to Hollywood, and become an action movie star. 
And I should have been fucking Blue Beetle, dude. I'm Latino. And so, <laughs> so instead of they probably would cast me as a George Lopez part. And so the two drug lord guys, the European dude and the other guy, get captured by the rebels. McBain walks to the president, uh, Presidente's palace, and it's like a fucking museum in there. It's gorgeous. Like, and he's just walking like he's just strolling. <laughs> I swear to God, it's so weird. Like the music is trying to make the scenes intense, but Christopher Walken's vibe is so fucking chill that you you do, it's so weird it's so juxtaposed to like what the movie wants you to feel like he, he's never huffing and puffing this guy always looks like he's straight up strolling in a park like there's a uh, he doesn't look sweaty it's so weird he's just it's almost like he's not real like he's just this ghost <laughs> But anyway, he breaks through El Presidente's office, who, by the way, is like considering shooting himself in the face at this point because he's like, well, he's going to Hitler himself. He's like, well, the war's over. <laughs> I've lost. I might as well call it a day. But nope, McBain's able to pop through the ceiling in the least dope way ever, falls through the ceiling to the ground, which, by the way, looked like a 12 to 13 foot ceiling. Like, like that looks how tall the ceiling was. And McBain's able to fall all the way to the ground. This fucking late 30s, early 40s man falls straight to the ground, manages to get up just in time to shoot up Presidente before he shoots him. Presidente's dead. He grabs El Presidente's hat. And I just like to imagine all these Colombian people who have been wanting a revolution or not happy, they're being oppressed, blah, blah, blah. And they just see Christopher. <laughs> Christopher, could you imagine like a Christopher Walken coming out of the White House? Uh, but they see Christopher Walken coming out of El Presidente's balcony. This this random motherfucker, like what the fuck is this guy? Like what the fuck? He he then throws El Presidente's hat. He has like a military hat, you know, like every fucking fascist fucking uh, president always has to have like a commander hat. He throws it out to the crowd. It straight up hits a guy in the face holding a sign. Like there's like they're all like protesting. They're holding signs. And it straight up just hits this guy in the face. <laughs> oh man! But they were like, "Fuck it, well, that's good enough for us." <laughs> so they they went in and took that take. Then a plane comes through, and uh, the the the. The helicopters are coming through from the Colombian army, and at first they're like, oh, fuck, it. We, we need to bomb some people. But then once they see that the government's been overthrown, they just sway away. Because I, I think everyone knew, like, this isn't good. Nobody's happy. So they end up not getting exploded because fucking Jesus Christ, uh, some of the soldiers were ready to fucking fuck some shit up. Michael Ironside was there with that rocket launcher ready to just destroy their ass. But they end up not shooting them because they, they basically surrender. Then we just get this back and forth. Uh, Christine is a hero, a Colombian hero, and everyone's like lift it, lifts her up, and they're like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, revolution," you know. And she looks to her great white knight in shining armor there in the balcony, and he gives her kind of like a "You did good, kid." Nod. <laughs> it's not like, "Hey, I love you." Because I'm assuming they smashed already. Because she's definitely into him. Like they, it's such a forced romantic relationship where, like, for some reason, she's into Christopher Walken. Like, okay, 
this fucking gorgeous Colombian woman is like, God damn it, I've always wanted just a pasty, pale, pot-bellied son of a bitch with crazy eyes. And the movie ends. It's just a little back and forth. We won. Movie ends. It's insane. I could not believe it. Anyway, it's time for the quick impression of this uh, show. And as you know, I do like to do quick impressions of different parts of the film. And this is a segment I like to go... Quick impressions. Quick impressions. Charlie 704, this is Colombian Air Force 102. Turn to heading 262. Proceed to and land at airfield for search and inspection. Charlie 704, put the plane down. Do you read me? Do you read me? Charlie 704, put the plane down. Twin engine, Charlie zero seven zero. Oh, shit, hold on. <clears throat> Twin engine, Charlie seven zero four. This is the Colombian Air Force one zero two. Turn to heading two zero to proceed to landing for search and inspection. <laughs> I. I can't hear you, dude. I don't know what you're saying. Charlie 704, put the plane down. Do you read me? Do you read me? Charlie 704, do you... We read you loud and clear. That is a quick... <laughs> That's a quick impression. Oh, God damn it for this film. McBain, 1991's McBain, and now it's time for the ratings portion of the show. As you know, I like to rate my movies by my favorite mustaches. You have the full Fu Manchu recommendation for fucking hell yeah. The walrus mustache, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Wait, right. I almost switched mustaches here. The walrus mustache for pretty damn good. The horseshoe mustache for eh, not bad. And, of course, the dreaded Hitler mustache for Burn This Movie in Hell. I will rate this movie, honestly, I had a good time. I think it's more fun to watch with friends. I give it a top-tier horseshoe. It's so weird. It's, like, definitely a top-tier horseshoe. It's one of those films, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it once. And if you watch it before, you should watch it with some friends. It's just so interesting to see Christopher Walken <laughs> in a war action film. He's so nonchalant throughout the entire movie. It's almost as if he knows he has like a like nine lives and just a thousand virgins waiting for him just in case he dies. Like he just seems like he just doesn't give a shit. And... But yet everyone's treating him like he's Rambo. Like if you could imagine the way everyone treats John Rambo because they understand like, oh, my God, like he was like fucking special ops and he did all this stuff and he's a fucking war machine. That's different. But they're treating 
Christopher Walken like he's this like war hero. I mean, you got captured, dude. You weren't that good. I'm kidding, but like, <laughs> but like, it's just so weird, and he's all gangly and awkward, and it's such an interesting watch. Like I said earlier, it just doesn't seem like this was supposed to happen. It seemed like they had someone else completely in mind for this film. I could have seen a Dolph Lundgren. Like Dolph Lundgren would have been perfect. I don't know how this wasn't a Dolph Lundgren film. I think it would have been great. You know, we covered him in the Punisher movie. And he was fucking amazing in that film. I think he would have been so good for this movie. It would have made sense for him being a, uh, an action hero. Um, he looks great on camera. He's not the greatest actor, but he would have been able to do more than what Christopher Walken was doing, which is like, I don't know, sleepwalking through this whole bitch. It was just bonkers. But you know what? At the same time, the supporting cast, the plot itself is ridiculous, but at the same time, it's entertaining at least. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of very interesting characters. It still makes the movie fun to watch. That's why I still give it the horseshoe. Because I think this would be great to just throw on. You're having a party with friends. You're having some beers. Just throw this on. Have a good time. Nobody's going to expect it. Nobody thinks about McBain. <laughs> like, nobody's like, you know what? I'm in the mood to watch McBain. <laughs> so, and the fact it's on Tubi, it's so, it's it's within arm's reach. It's a downloads, it's just a downloads reach away of been able to watch some good old Christopher Walken action film. And it's worth it. I think it's worth giving it a look. So anyway, I uh, really don't have any plugs. I'm just glad to be able to talk about films. I just haven't had a chance to really talk about movies in a while. It's just been crazy, but I'm glad to be able to do this. I will have some some more episodes coming up, and hopefully on a more regular basis. I know I've promised that before in the past, and I am a notorious uh, flibber. Flibbing? Flubber? Flubber? No, that's a movie. Fibbing. I'm known, I'm known for fibbing. There's the word. Uh, but I'm telling you, it's my. I'm trying my best here. I want to get these on more regularly. I love doing this. It's so much fun. I don't want y'all to think I'm not doing it enough because I'm getting sick of it. It's just, I don't. I don't like to do it if I'm not in the right mindset. And you know, to, tonight it was been a. It's been. I was in the mood. I was like, oh yeah, let's do this. Let's fucking watch McBain and talk about it. And I did it all by myself. And I spoke to my all alone in a room for about an hour. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. But anyway, I have an upcoming episode after this um, with the the great Bobby. Trip it from the the Grindman podcast, and it's a great episode. You're gonna love it. So that'll be coming up soon. I got recordings coming up this weekend. Like it, they're definitely coming. It's gonna be a nice podcastio summer. Get your mustache sweaty. You're gonna love it. Anyway, hope you enjoy this episode. Go watch McBain, you fuckers, and um, uh, go Colombians. Thank you for the cocaine and all that ass. Bye.